The Art of Data Science, where we help demystify the often confusing world of data, analytics, and the related areas of innovation. Helping you in your journey to become more data and insights driven are your hosts, Bob Parr, Advisory's Chief Data Officer, and Dr. Srikar Krishna, one of KPMG's leading data scientists. Hello, Srikar. Good to see you. Good to see you also, Bob. Srikar, in our last episode, we explored the different types of data and how they all have different behaviors in a business context. And I wonder now if we could switch gears and talk about data quality. You know, in my experience, data at the clients are, are rarely in good shape, and every project we undertake seems to have a lot of issues around you know, data quality. I was wondering if you see this different from a data science lens. Actually not, Bob. In fact, it's one of the biggest learnings that we have had as KPMG as we have grown our AI group and gotten into a lot of machine learning projects. We never have gone into a place where the data is in a shape where we can start working with it. It's always a scramble to first get the data, uh, second align it with whatever they have internally as business decisions, fill the gaps where there aren't any, and even before we can get into modeling, we have to make sure this is of high quality because, as we have always discussed, garbage in is garbage out. So we have seen that many times we have ended up wasting 50-60% of the time working with data rather than doing the modeling effort. I wish the data was in a better shape. Okay, well, with that, let's spend the next few minutes exploring why this is the case and why our needs or expectations of data quality rarely match the messy reality. You know, in my experience working with CDO Shrikar, I've, I've seen data quality directly drives a lot of the trust in the insights um, that ultimately translates into the decisions and the actions that an organization will take. You know, we saw this in some of our research we did with Guardians of Trust in the recent CEO Outlook surveys. Um, but what are the issues you've seen in the industry, especially when you observe them from the lens of running some of the more complex analytics and AI-related processes? Yeah, certainly, Bob. One of the things that we see in industry, and this is a big disconnect that we notice, is the data producers are rarely the same as the data consumers. And this puts a lot of distance between the two, and it makes it very hard for them to convey the right insights from the data, as there could be a time distance, there could be a geographic distance, there could even be cultural distance between the producers and the consumers. And this is a huge problem that the industry is facing. Um, let me make it even more concrete, and I'll talk about an example of a very large fintech firm that KPMG has been helping for many years over with their data problems. Uh, the, the firm actually does uh, business across the world with hundreds of institutions. And at the end of the day, those institutions are sending data back to, the, to our client. And the, unfortunately, our client is not in control of the data that is coming from these third-party institutions but all the decisions they make depends on the data that just flowed into the organization. And we are talking about hundreds of company uh, institutions in different countries um, with different cultural backgrounds. Um, unfortunately, our client did not have a data quality program, so the data that they were making decisions on top of somewhat relied on the quality controls that the third-party institutions were doing. And this was a huge challenge because something would break down in one of the third-party systems, and there, were no way, there was no way for our client to catch it early on, and this would result in 
massive fire drills trying to figure out where the problem was, how to rectify it, and eventually how to make better decisions because that's what it mm -hmm. all boils down to. Yeah, say nothing of the extreme costs associated with that's right. all yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the tie-in for why this is just so important that people focus on data quality. And, you know, if there's no data quality control, the decisions that, you know, that get, um, that those drive, the data drives, is ultimately flawed at some level. So we've got to keep that in mind. Um, Shrikar, there's, there's clearly more at play here after everything you just described than just putting a few simple rules in place to check data quality, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, and I and I really think that the goal of data quality programs and initiatives should be to bring the trust back into the system. Mm -hmm. It is about allowing those data consumers to completely trust that the data producers had all the checks and balances to make sure that the data is right and ripe for all kinds of analytics. So some of the things that we can think of mostly is from an operational lens. Uh, we need to develop very strong monitoring and controls on our data systems. So if something goes wrong, we proactively act towards it, but not wait for three weeks and react on something that went wrong. Uh, you know, we really have to design and develop operational business as well as decision metrics on top of these systems. So we are always focusing on the right metrics and we are asking questions when the metrics are going in the wrong way. We have to create incentive structures that helps our uh, helps the culture of an organization mm -hmm. to become more data vigilant, uh, if I can say so. You know, and all of these things, we should be able to reinforce the relationship between the producers and the consumers, so that way when a change happens at the producer's end, the consumers have the confidence that the change has been propagated through the business and there has been oversight on all of those things. And, and last but not least, this, what this establishes is a clear, a clear accountability, and we always know that there is a certain decision maker who is ensuring that the quality of the data is ensured all along the way. And that builds trust at the end of the pipeline. Which, which is so interesting. All of what you just said really didn't involve a whole lot of technology. Those were fundamentals. There were operating processes. There were accountabilities. There were the... The, the softer stuff, if you will. Um, but this is a, a you know, very important point in you know, addressing that operating model, taking that operating model approach, I think is uh, you know, the first step in getting more effective analytics. Um, and it sounds like it's especially true for machine learning and AI. It also underscores the, the key message we're sending across advisory as we apply that same type of thinking to ourselves. And it's thinking with data first. I mean, data really is the, the starting point for quality analytics and automation. Exactly, Bob. Uh, without the focus on data quality, the time available for higher order activities, like be it automation, be it analytics, be it decision making, we squeeze that out of the system. And we end up wasting a lot of our time on the same data over and over again. And it could be a different question asked on the same data, and now we end up spending the same amount of time cleaning the data again. If we were to look at the way machine learning, AI, and all these new analytical techniques are scaling today, it is uh, by leveraging the knowledge that is there in the business uh, SMEs that are in the organization. Um, sometimes we call them as the, the key person, right? And these are the folks who are helping us in taking decisions in massaging the data, in making it align with what their customers are, are providing. 
if we don't take the initiative to allow this data pipeline to become quality aware and capture all of the business decisions that the key personnel are making, the institution could end up in facing like a key person risk. We might end up losing one or two important people in the pipeline and then the data that we have is completely useless because they are the only ones who knew what business sense it made to have all of that data. Hmm. No, those are great points. I mean, so let's, let's um, take a step back and look at some examples of how we've helped clients improve their data quality. And, you know, I think you've got some good examples looking at cyber, so don't we start there? Yeah, no, absolutely, Bob. Um, cyber decision-making, I think, is one of the harder problems of the day. I mean, we are all aware of the cyber threats that are facing us. Um, institutions, especially financial institutions, are trying to guard their systems. And you go behind the scenes and you look at the cyber organization, it is a complex beast. There are, um, if nothing, like 60 or 70 different tools that are under the CISO's disposal, uh, the CISO being the chief information security officer. And they are looking across these different tools to make one decision, which is how risky is, the, is their institution. It is very hard for somebody to look at 70 different numbers and make the decision, especially when you don't know what quality of data is flowing between these systems. How are the data connected between the systems? What is the lineage for all of these different data sets? So when we look at the complexity of cyber uh, uh, systems, we really think there is a fundamental need for organizations to start curating their data, having a culture of data-driven decision-making, so they can actually monitor the quality of each one of those data streams that flows into the cyber organization and provide CISO with a unified view of what is happening. So they can react when there are adversary effect, I mean, uh, adversarial effects that are coming into the organization. Okay. Well, it's a great example. Let's explore a different one. Let's, let's look maybe at a finance transformation example. That's a great question, Bob. And I think finance transformation could really be affected well through a data quality initiative. Uh, when I look at the problem like cash on hand, for KPMG it is a very important problem. We help a lot of our clients with cash on hand. What would otherwise be simple, you know, summing of numbers to say how much money is there at the end of a month or end of quarter or end of year is not very easy because there are different parties that are writing to the same system of record, each with their own different levels of trust. There is no single monitoring, there is no single point of verification, whether somebody who, who wrote or read something from the database is doing it correctly. And we end up with multiple systems of records. I have walked into organizations where there are five sources of truth for the same number. And this is because we don't have a culture of centralizing our data knowledge. And if we can do that, especially in a financial sector where it is important to get to the right number, we can start to see that quality can feed trust and trust can feed to better uh, outputs. Okay, well, Srikar, thanks for uh, another great conversation and the importance and the intricacies of data quality. In our next episode, we'll continue the dive into data quality and explore the fundamentals of how we measure it. Well, that wraps another episode. You're listening to The Art of Data Science. It is our hope you'll join us again as we explore the rapidly changing world of data science and how it helps us all to become insights-driven. As always, if you have questions that you would like explored on this podcast, 
please email them to artofdatascience at kpmg.com. Thanks for listening.